This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 23 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I share the second half of my interview with DJ Stutz, the host of the Imperfect Heroes podcast for parents. DJ is also the CEO of Little Hearts Academy, a company that provides resources and training for parents. And she's also an early childhood education teacher. So in this second half of the interview, we talk about some of the bad advice that's being given to parents and what to do instead. And we also talk a little bit about why it's okay to allow your kids to be disappointed and why it's not your job to make your kids happy all the time, how this can actually be better for them in the long run. DJ also shares her experience growing up with a hearing impairment that was not noticed or corrected until she was in sixth grade. So she shares a little bit about that experience and why she thinks that that actually makes her a better teacher today and a better parent as well. And then We wrap up by talking about de-escalation strategies that you can use, whether you are using them at your home, in a classroom, or with your kids just out in public. 
So she shares some really great tips, and I know you'll really enjoy it. One of the themes throughout this whole conversation is about setting clear boundaries and expectations for your kids and why this is so important to helping them to understand what success looks like and to be able to self-monitor and regulate themselves, but also to be able to build your own relationship so that there aren't constant arguments in your household. And a lot of times when I hear parents venting their frustrations about their kids, a lot of times it's about doing those day-to-day things that we have to do, but we don't always want to do. Chores, homework, you name it. Or just trying to keep your house in order and trying to get out the door on time. And a lot of times when kids aren't following through on those types of things, it's usually not about laziness or lack of motivation. It can often be tied to a skill-based issue. So that's why I created the Time Tracking Journal, which walks you through a set of evidence-based strategies that will help you to teach your kids to be more independent during those daily routines, like chores and homework, basically any task that you want them to do around the house independently without constant hand-holding. In the Time Tracking Journal, I walk you through a strategy that you can use to teach your kids how to understand how to go from point A to point B in a task and get the entire thing done without constant support. So if you have kids who seem to take forever to get ready in the morning or have a hard time with some of those independent daily tasks like cleaning up their room, getting meals together, getting themselves dressed, keeping track of their homework, then the time tracking journal will be extremely helpful for you. So all you need to do to grab that time tracking journal is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal to grab your copy. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. So now let's get started and please enjoy the second half of the interview with DJ Stutz. I'm curious, I know that a lot of times parents will, I mean, they're looking for advice or looking for, for input mm-hmm. from people or there's there's all kinds of parent groups and advice mm-hmm. being given left and right. And I'm curious if you have seen, or how, how do I want to word this? What's, what's the worst advice that you see being given to parents? Wow. Um, so I think there's a couple of things. Growing up, obviously, I'm not a young mom anymore, but when my kids were young and they, and my mom came from a very different generation and actually was raised by l- literally lumberjacks Okay. in the Northwest, which is like one step up from wolves. And so she, so she would always push me. I have to spank them more. You have to spank them more. Um, they won't take you seriously unless you spank them. And I disagree with that. I think that being upfront and being consistent is way more effective mm-hmm. and, and, and which is going to help the help the relationship more. Right. Right. Another thing is I see that parents think from our society being so materialistic and then 
sometimes it's, I'm looking for the word, like, it's almost like they're too gentle sometimes. And I, but gentle isn't the right word. They give in a lot because they want their child to be happy. My Mm -hmm. child needs to be happy. And I saw, in fact, in, so I talk in this episode two, I talk about how you're not responsible for your child being happy all the time. And in fact, it's important for them to have to work through disappointment and anger and frustration and hunger and being tired and all of those things that they're going to have to learn as they grow up. But so a lot of times they're so worried about their child being happy. Well, I just want my child to be happy. And I do want my child to be happy, but that's not the most important thing for me. The most important thing for me is I want my child to be good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes doing the right thing is not the happiest moment. Right. Yeah. If you have friends that are choosing to bully another child, doing the right thing and saying, hey, 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 guys, let's not do that. Or getting the child who's being bullied and saying, hey, come on over here and play with me. That's the right thing to do. But then you're putting yourself up to maybe they'll start bullying me too. Maybe they won't like me and they won't be my friend anymore. And that's a very scary thing for adults, mm-hmm. let alone kids. So I really feel like we want our children to understand that doing the right thing and um, being a good person isn't always the happiest thing to do. In the moment. <laughs> Not in the in moment. The- but in the long run, yeah, right. you're exactly right. Because mm-hmm. in the long run, it, they're going to be far more happy when they know how to diffuse a situation and when they don't depend on other people for their own validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they know who they are intrinsically and, and they're okay with that. And someone saying that you have a big nose or, you know, funny toes, or uh, you have a birthmark somewhere that doesn't change who I am inside. And that's probably one of the hardest lessons to really teach our children in part because most of us haven't learned it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Have <laughs> I know a lot of adults who would have a hard time with that and still have a hard time mm-hmm. with that. I mm-hmm. could probably think of a couple times this past month that I've had situations like that come up personally. <laughs> yeah, and and teaching your child to think independently and not get involved in groupthink. Mm, yeah, that is, especially with all these, I mean, it was a thing before there were teams, there were cliques at school, mm-hmm. but now you can do it without even leaving your house. Absolutely. And people across the globe that wouldn't be accessible to you in these Facebook groups or mm-hmm. online forums or, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram accounts or whatever it is, which mm-hmm. again, not that those things are bad. It's just that we have to be careful with how they're used. Right. Well, and they can be bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, just yeah. how you choose to use it will make it one way or the other and how you choose to receive it can make it one way or the other. So if you see someone who's constantly negative and saying hateful things, whether it's about your cultural group, whether it's about your religion, whether it's about your um, ancestral background, whatever it is, your political beliefs, your religious beliefs, any of those things, if you see someone who's not open to the conversation, but is just there to call names and tear down because you don't agree with me, then you can block them. But you can't always block them if that person is in your classroom. 
or God forbid that person is your teacher. I think teachers are like cops. Most of them are have such big hearts and really work hard to do the right thing. And then there's a few that don't make those right choices and give everyone else a bad name. Yeah. But, um, you know, but growing up, I had a hearing deficit that wasn't identified until I was in sixth grade. Back when the pterodactyls were on earth and I was going to, kin- you know, kindergarten and, <laughs> and school. Yeah. Um, I imagine you that know, was- you just didn't get all the tests that we get, that they get today. It turned out that I just had extra skin that grew inside my ear and acted like cotton around my eardrum. It was, everything was muffled. And I didn't know because that's the only way I'd ever heard. Right. So how do I know yeah. that's wrong? Mm-hmm. But so I would try to do, I would do what I thought my teacher said. And I would be wrong. And I had uh, mostly really good teachers who were patient. I remember one, she was my first grade teacher that, that I was this problem child. I was a troublemaker. I didn't listen. I didn't follow directions. And instead of trying to help me, it's just, she would hold up my paper in front of the whole class. Ugh, you know? I can't believe that, that that was okay. Or that people well, thought that was okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But, um, but education, you know, back in the sixties was, uh, very different than it is now. And in some ways better and in some ways worse. So -hmm. the things that we do today in education, some things are really great and some things are really not as a parent. It really is your responsibility to listen to your child, to get to know their teacher and to get to know their friends. And then you can make some better decisions and a better understanding of what your child is going through. And so many times parents would come in and say, so-and-so is hitting my daughter. So-and-so is hitting my son. Your child hits them a lot too, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and I can't keep them apart. They're best friends. And, you know, it's just being aware of what's going on around your child, the people who are around your child. That means their friends. That means the parents of their friends. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But the path to success is filled with those items. I'm curious, and I have, I have a couple questions. I'm curious about, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about parents and the parent perspective of interacting with with teachers at school, because I have a lot of people who listen to the show who are speech pathologists or teachers but mm-hmm. before we get to that, how did they figure out the that you had a hearing impairment? I had my first hearing test. So it was sixth grade that they finally did it? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? In Los Angeles. Yeah. I wow. grew up in Los Angeles. My dad was a professor at UCLA. And then when they went in to do the surgery, I also had my, <laughs> my ears were weirdly shaped. So here I was, the smallest kid in the class, very small. I had ears that were weirdly shaped. So they had to cut the, it's called a conch shell. It's anyway, to make it down. So my ears would be flatter to my head. And mm-hmm. they even had like a little, almost a point at the top. And I'm the smallest kid in the class and I had pronated ankles. So I had to wear these, they, they look like those baby shoes that come up over the ankle mm-hmm. to try and support. And so I was teased horribly about being the little elf and the baby and all of this. And which I think contributed to some of my behavior issues in school at that time. But when they went in, they were able to cut out all of that extra skin. And for three months I was in tears because I thought people were yelling at me. 
Wow. Because it was so much louder than what you were used to. Yeah. Very much louder, very much louder. And too, I think, cause I have a kind of a big voice, but I think a lot of that is when my voice was developing, I, I, my ears were muffled and I had to talk louder just to even hear myself mm-hmm. and didn't realize I was talking louder. And so, but what's been fun is because I had that experience, I wouldn't trade it for anything. There are two kids who I have um, helped notice a hearing deficit and get them tested faster. And one actually wound up going to a special school for the deaf and hard of hearing. It was that bad, but her family was extremely poor and extreme poverty. That's generally where I tended to teach is in the most poverty stricken schools. And they didn't have the resources and they were not English speakers. And so if I hadn't have had that experience growing up and saw some of the signs, having lived through them, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known to get these kids the referrals and the help that they needed to move on. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, that's crazy that they wait, used to wait till mm-hmm. the later grades. I'm glad that they 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 do it way earlier now. Yeah. Kindergarten. I mean, yeah. they usually and the district that I was used to work at, they did it in kindergarten. And yeah, often at the pediatrician will do it as well. But mm-hmm. Because I could hear some things, like if you yelled at me, yeah, I could hear you, mm-hmm. you know, but if they were, someone was whispering or, or not talking loud enough or wasn't close enough, I couldn't hear you. So I think that, well, I know that I got labeled as someone who just doesn't pay attention mm-hmm. who, you know, um, when I was working hard to pay attention, but my body wasn't cooperating. So I think that when I'm working with some of the kids and, and some of the kids in my class, they have an IEP, but it's just uh, speech mm-hmm. and everything else is going well. And then I've had everything from Down syndrome and autism and oppositional defiant disorder and all of those things. But the key is to, again, set those expectations, but to realize where your child is and not worry so much about where they're supposed to be. We spend so much time yeah. concentrating on what, how things should be that we forget to address what is. And we never get beyond that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's probably one of the most common questions that I get from some of the SLPs that I mentor. It's always, what's age appropriate for, for this skill or what Mm -hmm. should the child be doing for this language skill or this academic skill at this grade, which yeah, teachers need to know the curriculum. They need some starting point as a reference point. Otherwise there, it would Mm -hmm. be a complete free for all, but usually how I reframe that is, okay, what are they being exposed to? Because what Mm -hmm. they're exposed to is what they're going to know but then also, especially if you have kids, autism is a great example. There's certain things that they're not going to do like a neurotypical person, and that's fine. There's no reason why they would have to. We just want them to be successful in the things that are important to them. And so it right. doesn't matter if this is the way that you're, quote, supposed to do it, and this is the way that everybody else is doing it. It's more about, mm-hmm. all right, what does... What do you want to accomplish and what's a, an effective functional way for that person to do that thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think just knowing your child well enough or your student well enough 
and just constantly having a plan. That's one of the things that I think is one of the biggest mistakes that parents make and teachers as well is that they fail to plan ahead so much on, well, what this happens, that's what, that's where we go. If this happens, that's where we go. And they have it in their head. You need to be flexible enough to know, oh, that isn't working. Let's veer another way. But to have it all set in your head, you know, how are you going to deal with it? If uh, Joey, who's autistic, starts, you know, tearing apart the room, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, which they do. But also, what are you going to do to encourage? So I had a little guy a couple of years ago who was on the spectrum. And I came into the class mid-year, well, mid-semester. It was like right around, it was in November that I came into the class. And I'd been told so much about this this little guy. And they would put him in one of those um, cube chairs. Mm, And they had a, a tray that was Velcro on top of that. And they use like this industrial strength Velcro. Oh, he's got to be in there because he tears things apart. He'll run around the room, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So he comes in and she's putting him in and putting that Velcro thing down. And there was a resignation, but not a happiness. With, with him? Yeah. With having to sit like that. And about a week later, he came in and sat down on one of our little carpet squares for opening group. And, and uh, my assistant went and said, Oh no, you've got to come sit in your chair. Nope. I'm sitting here. I looked at her. I said, looks like he wants to sit here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but he'll do this and this and this. First off, you don't say what you think the child will do, especially if it's negative and, and then clearly not in front of the child. Right. Yeah. Don't don't plant that expectation that that's who they are. Cause they'll live up to it. Mm-hmm. So instead, I, I said, well, let's sit down and talk about it. And so I sat down with this little guy and I said, you have a couple of choices here and I don't care which one you choose. They're all good choices. You just choose which one seems right to you. So I said, if you want to sit on this carpet square, here's what you need to do to stay on the carpet square. You know, we don't touch our friends. We stay sitting down. We, you know, all those little things. And if you don't want to follow those rules, that's fine. There's the cube chair. And here's how we do the cube chair. And I told him about that. I said, so which do you choose? I want the carpet square. Okay, we'll do the carpet square. And my aide was very nervous, you know, and she was new to me. I was new to her. And Mm -hmm. so it's always an interesting situation. But so for the rest of the year, uh, he sat on the carpet square and did a really good job, uh, except for two times he went to the cube, but both times it was his idea. Mm -hmm. And he just sat down in there and could Mm -hmm. get out whenever he wanted. Yeah. And he could get out whenever he wanted. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. did have to clear the room a couple of times during the school year. But from what I heard doing twice, you know, from November on when they, it was about usually twice a week mm-hmm. from what I heard before um, he did, you know, he was doing really, he was really improving, really improving. And wh- another thing that parents will do and, and my aide would do this sometimes is, is, uh, He'd have a bad 10, 15 minutes, but the rest of the day he was great. But they would concentrate on, oh, he had a horrible day. Really? What made it horrible? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, sometimes I have a bad 15 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I don't have a full 24 hours of being perfect or wonderful or nice. 
you know, I have my moments, but that doesn't take away all of the good things that I did the whole day. And imagine what that does to a child's um, self-esteem, their outlook on life. So when you come home and your child had maybe a rough time for a little bit, but then he or she did this and he or she did that and helped you with making dinner or whatever it is. Yeah, you had a rough 10 or 15 minutes, but I'm so proud of the way you turned that around. You did a great job. You calmed down, took deep breaths, and then you were able to come and help me do this fun thing. And I'm so proud that you turned it around and took control of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very different approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think with going back to what, what we think is supposed to be the right way to do things and what mm-hmm. actually is a way that is perfectly acceptable, it, you know, again, like whatever happened during that 15 minutes may not be what another child would do, but that's, it's a completely different person. You, you're comparing apples to oranges there where it's like, it, right. it doesn't matter what's normal for you. This is, this is where we're at here. And <laughs> I mean, how do you get to a day that, that is completely smooth with anybody? Well, exactly. And I think too, it's important to like reassess when things are done. You're not going to teach them anything while they're kicking and throwing and having their meltdown. They're not learning anything. (laughs) But once they've calmed down, you can say, wow, that looked like that was really a hard time for you. What do you think happened? And let them, you know, kind of talk about it. And it may or not, may or may not be accurate, but now they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And, And you could say, wow, yeah, what can we do next time? So that, you know, we don't have to send the kids out on a walk around the school. Right. Um, and but, honestly, is it really that, you know, a walk around the school, if if they understand that they need that, you know, yeah. that, that could be a good strategy. Absolutely. Absolutely it can. So, and, and then they learn to listen to their body and it's like, well, it's getting revved up here, you know, that they have a place that they can go to calm down and that's a place they choose to go. You don't send them to the corner, Mm -hmm. but you can say, wow, if you need to calm down, we've got the cozy corner, whatever you want to call it. It has maybe a comfortable chair or some pillows or some place where they can hide under the pillows for a lot of kids and calm down. They don't like other people looking at them. Mm -hmm. Or shall we practice breathing? We're going to (gasps) practice, you know, and if they're resisting that, it's like, okay, I can see. You just need to work it out your own way. Here we are. I'll be Mm -hmm. here when you're done. And then we can fix it. But I can't fix it until you're done. But you take your time. Don't ever tell a kid don't cry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, if they're already to the point where they're crying, then Mm -hmm. I could see how that would just make it even worse, especially Mm -hmm. if they're they're not even in the part of their brain where they can process what you're saying. And yeah, that would not be a good. And the hysterical part is if you say, I can see you're really sad and you need to cry, go ahead. You can cry. You want to cry on the couch. Do you want to cry on the couch or do you want to cry in the cozy corner? Because once you give them the permission to cry, what do they have to fight? Yeah, absolutely. Nothing. It probably just, they let it out and then they're, Mm -hmm. then they're done. And they calm down so much faster Mm -hmm. than if you're there saying, don't cry, don't cry. 
yeah, the resistance is more work than just letting it happen sometimes. Yeah. And it gives control to the kid because can I really force that child to not cry? Right. Yeah. Because it's then it becomes more about manipulation. And I think there's a difference between a tantrum and a meltdown, a tantrum where mm-hmm. it's just I'm going to I'm going to choose to throw a fit because I'm not getting what I want versus I'm mm-hmm. overstimulated. I'm dysregulated and I just need a minute that totally different. Right. right. And and you can use it depends on what's going on, but you can use some similar approaches. But if it's a total tantrum, you know, it's like, oh, you're doing this now. All right. Let me know when you're done. And off you go. Or if you're in the grocery store now, this is hard. So you have a couple of uh, options. And with my uh, youngest son, who is severely ADHD, I got really good at this. <laughs> I had a lot of practice. So you can just say, oh, okay. Uh, if you're going to throw a tantrum, that's fine. I'm going to continue getting my stuff and I'd get things that are on that aisle or whatever. Or you could say, wow, yeah, this isn't working for you. We're going to go out to the car and help you calm down. When you're calm, maybe we can come back in. If it takes, you know, if it's too hard for you, then we're leaving. But there's no way on earth you're getting the cocoa puffs. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. I'm calm. I'm calm. Yeah, but you're not getting the cocoa puffs. That's not the way you get them, love. Mm-hmm. Maybe next time you remember to ask nicely, you know, or if you don't want cocoa puffs in your house. Yeah, we're not doing cocoa puffs. Those aren't good for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the crying, it doesn't change the rule. Right. Boundaries, <laughs> expectations yeah. again. Yeah. But do I have to yell for that to happen? Absolutely not. Yeah. Why are you doing this or, you know, yeah. those things aren't, aren't positive. I think it's, it's important to regulate yourself as well. So you can make good decisions in those moments and practice. Absolutely. Yeah. So this seems like a good place to wrap up. Um, yeah. I wanted to, before, before we do that though, where can people find out more information about you and what you do? Yeah, sure. So we've got the podcast Imperfect Heroes and that's on, you know, Apple and all of those. You can also find me at www.littleheartsacademyusa.com and you can sign up for our newsletter. That's free. There's a lot of free things that are on there. We also have a place in actually next month, we're opening registration for something called Cicerone master's class. And that's a year long class of uh, coaching once a week, coaching group coaching. And it's just such a great program. And I really love the feedback that I get on that. You can also just email me at uh, DJ Stutz, that's S-T-U-T-Z, at littleheartsacademyusa.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Little Hearts Academy USA. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here and I look forward to uh, maybe having you share some things on my podcast yeah absolutely we're going to wrap up this episode right here but thank you so much for listening if you have not yet I highly recommend that you listen to episode 22 which is the first half of this interview with DJ she shares 
some really great tips about what you should not say to your kids and what you should do instead that will help them to have the feedback that they need to both know what your expectations are and also just understand how to be decent human beings and really just grow up to be kind, compassionate people. And we really talk a lot about how important it is to set expectations with your kids. So again, that is episode 22, the first half of this interview. Go ahead and take a listen if you haven't already. Now, of course, make sure that you check out DJ's podcast, Imperfect Heroes. She's got some amazing episodes and some great guests, including myself, and I know that you will Enjoy that as well if you enjoy this show. On the topic of communicating boundaries and expectations and supporting your kids through challenging tasks, I wanted to remind you to check out the Time Tracking Journal, my tool that walks parents through a strategy that they can use to help their kids be more independent with daily tasks, especially if you have a child who has a hard time sensing the passage of time and understanding how long certain tasks take and what steps to take in order to get those things done. Really, it's a strategy for helping support your kids' executive functioning skills, those skills that we talk a lot about on this show that help you to be independent and focused and engage in goal-oriented behavior. So basically, the skills that allow you to be productive and get things done. So if you have a child who struggles with executive functioning and keeping things organized, I highly recommend that you check out the Time Tracking Journal. Just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that it helps us out so much if you leave us a five-star review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It is so helpful to us because that helps us to get this information into the ears of people who need this information the most. If you haven't already, I would love if you would leave us a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you in episode 24.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.